Hello, welcome to Siren Radio. You're listening to Steve Court and this is Word Perfect. And we're going to have another show today where we speak to one of the wonderful writers who have come through Inspired.com. Uh, and today we're joined by the incredible David Ratcliffe. So welcome to the show, David. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you today. Um, uh, David's recently brought out uh, his, uh, his first book, and that's going to be the feature of what we talk about in a little while. But before that, David, I'm just interested to know a little bit more about you or interested for our listeners to know a little bit more about you. So uh, give me a little snapshot of who you are. Who I am? Um, a simple bloke that uh, came from a working class background, um, a I had a brother, two sisters. We lived in a small village in Littleborough, uh, which is in um, Lancashire. Um, and as I grew up and I got to the age of um, 16, 17, 18, those were challenging kind of times for me. Um, I wanted to, um, I wanted to branch out almost, you know, like. Um, the wish to go uh, over the rainbow and see what was on the other side stuck as I was in this small village. And um, it was that that got me to join the Navy, get on a train, fate, let's just take it, um, let's be brave and go for it. So that's where I went. Um, I joined the Navy. Um, during this period of time, I was um, very homesick but I wouldn't let myself be deterred. I thought I'm not going to let my dad win because my dad said to me, if you go through with this and join the Navy and stay in it, then I'll burn my backside to all the neighbours on top of our roof. I thought, right, up you go, Dad. I'm not having this. So I took it on. I tried my best to, um, to brave it out. Um, I had six years in the Navy, during that time, I visited a lot of places, did a lot of foolish things, um, grew to, um, I didn't grow up at that period. I kind of, um, I kind of just showed myself up really and um, had, a, had a time of it. It wasn't uh, until I came out of the Navy and I got married and had responsibilities to a child that was born to me, our John, and um, We'll talk about the book shortly, but um, the book is dedicated to my son, John. Um, and he was my firstborn, and it gave me this sense of uh, responsibility. So going from that into um, adult life and having to stand on my own two feet in the south of England, uh, detached from that uh, village, I started taking uh, responsibility for my life. From that, through a period of having another child, our Lindsay, um, and then ending up not really, um, we, we had a great time. We had a great life. Our family, we, we had great holidays. We, 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 we loved um, everything. But something went wrong along the way. Um, there was a parting of the ways, um, and I ended up uh, on my own in a bed seat. And through this um, this collection that we'll talk about, it's all about this journey, about that um, particular uh, period. There's a lot in the book. It's confessional. Um, things that I regret, things that I regret other people doing to me. 
um, all of it, um, all poured out in that way. So who I am is that person that went through that and um, there was a point at which through music and, um, and lyrics and the writing, all of that came, I had a love for writing, it just it just came to me. I really want to put this down. I want to get my thoughts out because otherwise I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to go mad. It's not going to be um, a very, very safe place for me to be. So um, writing actually saved me um, in that way. So that's who I am and what I've been through. And, and you're talking there about obviously uh, so the inspiration for this book being very much based in, in reality in your your own existence but um it started some time ago so have you been writing this from that moment or has the actual writing of the book been a more recent thing no it's been a 20-year um experience going through i started writing this book before i knew i was writing this book um, two decades later, um, it's um, it's there because I don't think that it would have been the book it is if it had been written um, any earlier. When I started writing 20 years ago, I wasn't writing to write a book. I was writing my thoughts down as if a journal, as if I was just writing uh, about events that um, that happened to me. I wanted to express myself, and also um, through um, through Bob Dylan, Leonard Cohen, um, great um, songwriters that uh, really explained everything within one line. I wanted one line. I wanted to write one line that would stand out of a poem or a piece of writing. It wasn't even poetry at that time. I just wanted something to come out that was going to make someone else understand what I was going through. So I was looking for a, a really tight line. Mm. Um, and that put me on the, um, uh, that put, set me off on this passage to wanting to um, express myself. And in the expression, this is 20 years ago, I was writing songs for my daughter. And with Lindsay, Lindsay wanted me to write something to help her to collaborate on songs, songwriting, whatever, so that she could go out and uh, and sing um, her songs, her own songs, not just covers. And um, and so I set about writing lyrics, and it came about. So that's where it started from, from writing lyrics, and trying to find a tight line, something really cleverly written, and when it comes out, it's poetically brilliant. Um, when she sings uh, those songs. That's what I was searching for. I wrote 60 um, songs, around 60, 60 maybe, 60 plus, um, which she she went on to sing and, uh, and record. These, um, these songs, they had, they had so much to do with poetry um, and I'd never actually sat down to, re- to, to read a poem at that time. But the poetry just came from that, you know, um, stringing together a, um, a, set of, a set of lines or, or, or words that came 
about in a rhythmical sense that actually had an impact. I didn't want them to be just words that fit a melody. So that's where I was at that time. And I think it definitely comes across when you when you see the book that that idea of that kind of confessional poetry is definitely there. And it's interesting to know that a lot of that is um, sometimes when you read these kind of confessional books and they're written post event, there's almost a sense that, that the writer could be potentially um, shielding themselves. So they've written it with slightly rose tinted glasses or they're able to retrospectively reflect on an event. But the fact that so much of this was written at the time, I think that's where it has a really nice, honest confessional thing. You're, you're not afraid to um, put yourself in the firing line, which is, you know, you're not, you're not hiding away from your part in any of these things, which is, is interesting. Not at um, all. And that, that idea of it being lyrical and, you know, the influences of Dylan and Cohen and stuff like that is, is definitely evident. Um, I think what would be really interesting is potentially if we could maybe hear one of the pieces now. Right. Um, again, this confessional poetry, um, it kind of comes from... Um, a bit, there's a deep feeling, a, a deep sense of, um, of frustration and 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 the uh, the anger at um, at the points at which I could have acted differently to make the outcome better for my uh, family, and uh, so that is I wanted this to be uh, to be honest. Um, Anne Sexton um, is um, a great influence on me. Um, the, the confessional side of, um, of, of of her poetry, the honesty. Although she was um, she was going through her issues at the time, throughout her life, um, I wanted to be a sane man, and yet come out with that kind of um, that kind of delivery and be honest about it. So, anyway, this one's um, this one's from the collection. It's um, well beyond the open window. The open window being the uh, journey from the train. I took when I was 18 to join the Navy. And um, this is well down the track after the breakup. And it's called Under the Rainbow. You saw me as a prisoner might observe a bird, prompting my leave of relative serenity to step aboard your sadness, accepting an invitation to a misshapen areas of my mind. Beneath each crystal blue reservoir, hunger dam about to burst with the weight of my concern initiating the flood. Seeking sound footing, I slipped on the silt of your sincerity, sinking to skeletal remains on the ocean floor. Along the anchor chain dug deep into your ruins, Decades of decay entered my senses. The contents of my stomach repelled at the part I'd played, sending me surfacing towards conflicting luster. Your understanding smile greeted my return, where I remain floating beneath your rainbow, content for now, while promising to improve my stroke. Fantastic. That's a brilliant piece. And very well read as well. 
which actually is one of the strengths I think when I when I the, the very first night that I met you um before we'd we'd agreed that we were going to do the book um I'd, I'd heard you read and it was it was captivating just hearing it in your voice and, and, it, and it being very clearly your voice uh telling these stories as well which was uh you know uh, re- really really interesting to hear so thank you very much for sharing that with us thank you um, we have reached the point in our show where we're going to take our first little musical interlude we talked before there about some of the influences lyrically on your on your work so we're going to uh, have our first little musical break brought to us now by leonard cohen so uh, we'll join you again after this musical break Suzanne takes you down to her place near the river You can hear the boats go by You can spend the night beside her And you know that she's half crazy But that's why you wanna be there And she feeds you tea and oranges That come all the way from China you have no love to give her then she gets you on her wavelength and she lets the river answer that you've always been her lover and you want to travel with her and you want to travel blind and you know she will trust you for you've touched her perfect body with your mind And Jesus was a sailor when he walked upon the water And he spent a long time watching from his lonely wooden tower And when he knew for certain only drowning could see him he said all men will be sailors then until the sea shall free them but he himself was broken long before the sky would open forsaken almost human he sank beneath your wisdom like a stone travel with him and you want to travel blind and you think maybe you'll trust him for he's touched your perfect body with his mind now Suzanne takes your hand and she leads you to the river she is wearing rags and feathers from Salvation Army counters And the sun pours down like honey on Our Lady of the Harbor And she shows you where to look among the garbage and the flowers There are heroes in the seaweed, there are children in the morning They are leaning for love they will lean that way forever while Suzanne 
Welcome back to Word Perfect. You're listening to Siren Radio. My name's Steve Court, and we're joined today by David Ratcliffe. And we're about to talk to him now. We talked a little bit before the break there about his uh, sort of journey into writing and where some of the influences have come from. Uh, but we're going to talk to him now very specifically about the book that he has just brought out. So, um, David, for those people at home, give us a little overview. What, what is the book and what's it all about? As I said earlier, this, uh, this book's a 30-year journey, uh, 20, well, all my life, really. Um, the early part of the book, before we get to uh, around 20 um, poems in, um, is about the innocence of, um, of the way that uh, I, I was at the time. I, um, this is before the 18th birthday that I shared uh, it best spent in, uh, in Plymouth. In Plymouth, um, I was uh, given a blue suit and uh, lots of um, duties and um, responsibilities and jumped up when I was told to jump and march and what have you. Um, and this was the um, pinnacle, the, the through the open window. The open window is the, um, is the getting on the platform and stepping on the train at Littleborough and off on a journey to the unknown. Um, having never been out of um, Lancashire before and whistling along, passing um, Birmingham New Street and um, all these different um, ex- sort of like exotics to me at the time because, I mean, they were just, um, they were just football teams to me. Mm-hmm. And I ended up in, uh, in, in Plymouth on the South Coast and everything that happened beyond that point from the open window, which is the open window of the wind of the uh, carriage I was in, um, traveling from Littleborough to Manchester and beyond, that open window and the clattering sound and the and the looking through the window at the um, at the cows on the hill um, and realizing that I was leaving my little hamlet and I'm scared stiff and I don't know what's to come. That fear. And then everything that happens beyond that poem, which is uh, some eternal, everything that whistles along after that puts me in the place where uh, all the confessional stuff comes. And that, um, and that comes about because during that period of 20 years of beginning of uh, writing um, songs, I, um, I began to read quite a bit about, um, about Anne Sexton um, and looking at confessional poetry, um, W.D. Snodgrass. And, um, I mean, I began, I began looking at um, Shakespeare, William Blake, um, John Keats, Allen Ginsberg, and then Ted Hughes. And my, um, my old friend, Philip Larkin. Philip Larkin's had a big influence on my... Uh, work because I've got kind of I've got a voice between um, Anne Sexton and 
Philip Larkin, and they and they're absolute polar opposites as people. Um, but somewhere in the middle midst of that, I found a voice to actually talk about the confessional side, the the regrets and um, the what might have been and um, all of that, and all that tumbles out um, after the open window. So the, through the open window is about the journey from getting on that train and to where I've ended up now. And, and, and all those poems is written um, just to myself, never for an audience. But mm. at the end of the day, when I collected them, I realised that there was something there and it needed to be, um, it needed to be out there. For my, for my friends and, uh, and my family, um, but also, I, 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 I believe it's it, it's a human story, and um, it's mine, but that's universally shared by a lot of people. Because yeah, I would hundred percent agree with that. I do think there is a, a massive amount of that where, although it is so personal, and and like I say, because it's written in that kind of confessional poetry style, it's very much your event and your story. Um, but there's so much of it that is universally acceptable that uh, you know that, that so many people will have had similar experiences or felt the same way about not necessarily that event but something fairly similar uh, and I think it, it also you know crosses continents as well I don't think that it's limited to having to have been from yeah. um, a small village in in England I think you know you could you could get that same effect if you're looking reading this in in the United States or if you're in you know some small uh, rural place out in Australia for example I yeah. think that yeah. the, the the impact or the human side of the stories that you tell are very evident um, so th there's other interesting bits about the book. So um, you, you said before that obviously the book is dedicated to your to your son. When the um, when the separation uh, happened, um, and I was in uh, a bedsit, and um, someone else uh, was taking well, so, uh, I, I was replaced by someone else in the in the family unit. My um, my boy John. Um, who was about 10 at the time um, and absolutely adored my kids. And John, um, soon after that, started to uh, skip school and, uh, and then he had a journey into drugs and, um, and then his life ended when he was age 38 and he was... Um, he was found in a public convenience with a needle in his arm. Now, all that journey that happened with John, um, the, a lot of the regret that's in the book is that things that, uh, you know, when you think back and you think, I could have made a better decision there or I should have been stronger and stood up to this or whatever. Um, I didn't know that um, a lot of the stuff that was harming my children was happening within the walls of what I left behind after I'd um, after I decided to go um, from that situation because it was such a caustic uh, kind of situation at the time I had to I, I had to escape it but I feel that um, I might have done I might, I might have made better decisions that might have so this is this is um, this is dedicated to John. Um, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of regret and and, and John's a major part of that. That's uh, you know that's a, that's a powerful thing to have to 
not only deal with in, in reality, but to, to be able to then sit and reflect on and, and you know, commit that to the page, um, that, that, that's got to have been quite a, a difficult thing for you to have gone through as well. I think it was important that I got, <clears throat> I got to do this because um, if you look back at your, um, anyone can look back at, at things they might have done better or, or if, if maybe I'd just um, done this or that. Um, if I find that the, uh, through the power of uh, writing, through actually uh, expressing what you feel, you know, I'm, I, um, I'm a weak person. I need to be stronger. Why didn't I do this? I could have done that better. Or, you know, all this, um, all this stuff that you carry around and we all got a conscience and we all could look back and think, you know, I should have been better. I could have, I could, could have been a better man. I could have been a better woman. Um, all of that. And um, I thought that through expressing stuff, through, um, through actually writing, you know, um, even if, uh, if, if you have a diary or a journal or some kind of blog, some, somewhere where you can vent and get, get rid, this is what, you know, I, I think I think it's a powerful thing to write, to unload, to get it out there. Mm. Um, and we can't go back. We can try to make amends. We can try to um, uh, build a better future. Um, but all those big bridges that are burned, um, we can reflect on them and learn from them. So that's mainly um, what the book's about um, and where I'm at with it. No, that's incredible. I think I think you've, you've you've hit a really powerful thing there about about the power of just writing in general. Even if you're not writing to be published or to be even read by anybody else, just the cathartic nature of just getting on the page something that's been troubling you or bothering you or is just you know is locked in your head. Sometimes it helps you just to make sense of that in itself. When you have to start trying to think about the the act of putting the right words in the right order to just say what it is that's confusing you or, or is locked in your head that can be a very, very cathartic process. Even if all that happens to that piece of paper is you burn it or it goes in a drawer or it goes straight in the bin, it, it, the process of actually doing that in itself is, is powerful. But for you to have got to a point where you've not only done that, but you've, you've polished those things and you've really gone back and, you know, in detail edited and, and, and reflected on that stuff and then put it out there for other people to read as well, that's taking it to a, a whole new level, isn't it? Yeah, it's more important than me. This is um, this is just um, a a universal this um, this mindfulness and uh, and looking after one another, you know, and, and making sure that we're um, we're, we're mentally um, safe, you know, in our minds and, and the way that we deal with stuff. I think that writing's a very strong medium for that. Absolutely, yeah, and I think it, it cannot be underestimated. It's very much like I spent a lot, a lot of years teaching um, performing arts, so teaching drama, uh, and you get lots of people who want to put the subject down and be like, "Yeah, what a waste of time!" and you know, "Why are we doing this in school?" and all this. And actually, they totally underestimate the the healing power and the, the just the personal development that you get from any art. But you know, when you've got kids that are now more confident because they can go into their geography lesson or their history lesson and they can stand and present their information more because of what they got from a drama class. We're not trying to make the next um, you know, batch of English great actors. We're just trying to help make 
better well-rounded people and and the ability to write and express yourself in that way is another another brilliant tool to have in your arsenal that you could never lose you know it doesn't matter how old you get doesn't matter where you are in the world you can always pick up a pen and express yourself and that that's a a really really important thing that i think we need to just champion that side of writing more it doesn't have to be about writing a novel or producing a book it just the more we do and the more we express ourselves the more we start to be able to empathize and understand people around us and understand different points of view and and you know hopefully make the world a, a tiny bit better than it was when we when we first started 100 percent. i i totally agree with you steve um and it's not about me this it's about um it's about championing the um the everyone has got a voice and and that voice deserves to be heard wherever it is in the world whatever um dire circumstances that person's in it's all relative it's all about the mind if I, I, I'll be safe in my mind, you know, and, and so and if expressing a, an emotion, a feeling, um, a cry for help or anything like that, I think it's important to um, get it out there. And, uh, and, and writing um, music, um, performance, arts, um, you know, a, a producing a play which actually um, that, that audience can absolutely feel what's going on an important message might be learned um, to take out into the world uh, to make the world a little bit a better place i don't think that the arts get enough funding to be honest my opinion i couldn't agree more especially as an actor i think everybody should give me more money but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no i think that it's like I say it's, yeah. it's beyond it's beyond just going to watch a play it's all about if, if it's done right, it's all about community. It's about long impact. It's about education. You know, you, mm. you can address so much with an audience. It's so much easier to influence somebody's um, ability to think about something in a new way or take on a new concept when you can present it in a way that's interesting rather than just telling somebody they should feel differently or telling somebody on Facebook that their opinion is wrong. Well, if you can present the information in a way where they're actually able to sit back and reflect and say, I, I'd never thought about that situation like that before. Actually, I'd never thought about how that person might feel in that situation before. And um, with your your poetry in this book, like I say, the, the scenarios are very specifically your life events, but the way that you discuss them and you hit on them, it is exactly what you were saying about that kind of Cohen and Dylan-esque thing where there might just be one line in there where it's, it allows you to reflect on something happening in your own life and say, wow, I'd never thought of it like that. I, I yeah. never realised that's actually how I felt, or I'd never realised that that event from 20 years ago had had such a big impact on me. Yeah. Um, and if it can touch just one person or help one person feel better, then it's it's done something good, hasn't it? Definitely. I remember um, walking through um, a, an abandoned building in, um, in Portsmouth Naval Base um, and looking at... Um, what used to be people's offices and what used to be the work space and what used to be where the anchors used to come be pulled up and all this. And I'm looking at the walls and seeing how the paint is just pulled off the walls and it's all cracked and peeling and what have you. And then my mind going back and imagining what it was like when it was vibrant and everyone was there. And this, this passage of time and the decay um, and what have you, that kind of um, decay, if you leave things too long, you will 
um, you will fall apart. You have to address these things. You have to prepare to, um, uh, you, you need to repair those walls before they get cracked. You know, you need to, you, you need to keep uh, funding things so that people are actually um, fulfilling a, an important part of the, you know, because as a people, we need purpose. Everybody needs to feel um, warranted and, and, okay, and, you know, I'm okay, embrace me. And everyone to buy into that and say, yes, this is good, human life. Um, let's just embrace it and just and, and just, just be culturally aware and, and, and look after one another, you know, make sure that we're all safe, um, especially the elderly, you know, and just think about the, the journey these old people have been on. And a lot of the book, as it goes through, um, I've been getting older as I've been writing. So I have aged with the book. Um, so the collection itself, I mean, outside of the book, I've written lots of poetry that's not um, confessional. That what's been crammed into this book is specifically um, that life's story. But I hope that some people might read this or some of it, and, and, and even if just a line from it, and um, and find some kind of uh, purpose, you know, some sort or, or, or more um, more than that, uh, some comfort in the fact that they're not alone in the pain that life's journey can take you on, because there's so much more. This this might come about as um, as Dylanesque and, um, and 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 Cohen um, like like. Picking a scab and all down and gloomy. It's not meant to be that way. It's just about being honest and open, not, not being too proud to actually say, "This is me." Yeah, absolutely. There's no, there's no sort of uh, dodging the fact that you just, you know, where, where you feel that you're at fault for something, you take the blame for that, and you, you know, you're you're equally as happy to uh, paint yourself in a negative light as you are to cast that in other directions and i think that's that's really evident throughout the book um i mean it'd be really nice david maybe we could hear another piece from the book no worries. yeah this one this one's called three day week um and i suppose it was um the year before i joined the navy and uh, this was the uh, three day week that the um back then 1973 when the um three day week was imposed um the uh, miners were having a conflict with the government, Tory government at the time, Ted Heath, and uh, Ted Heath put the country on a three-day week to conserve energy rather than giving it, it giving in to the miners. Um, and this is a typical my mum working in a sewing machine factory during the three-day week. Nestled in the Pennine Vale, Blackened and defiled by time. A three-day week factory serves a seven-day need. Like concert pianists in neat rows, they sit, mantis-like, taking turns at shouting, Where's that girl with my thread? Treadle down, run through, hem-sewn, scissors-readied. More attire for the wasteful breed in that London. The burr of machines, piped music, accompanies widows, wives, 
and spinsters sing in their own words bells flatter than dad's cap with callous fingers shoulders burdened thoughts drift to trading gas money for a chippy tea large portion feeds five a midweek treat through desperation and fear they laugh at nothing as if it was everything and sing of brighter days fantastic thank you once again david if you have heard anything here today and uh, you're interested and you're intrigued by either David's story or the story of the book, then uh, you can get yourself a copy of that by either going to www.impspired.com and go to the authors section on there and you'll find David Ratcliffe listed in the list of authors. Or you can go straight to Amazon, any Amazon, wherever abouts you are in the world, and you'll be able to look for Through the Open Window by David Ratcliffe and you'll be able to get yourself your copy from there. So um, please do go and get one, enjoy the book, share it. If you know somebody who you think has... Uh, similar stories to this or has been through similar experiences and it might be something that could help them then obviously then that might be making for a nice Christmas gift as we have to now start thinking I did promise I wouldn't say that in October but you know unfortunately that's the world we live in now so please do get out there and obviously share the word share David's story and uh, and, and help to uh, promote that book if you can um, we're going to take another quick break which uh, would make perfect sense for me if that becomes something by the great Bob Dylan so here we are for a few minutes break with Bob Dylan
listening to Siren Radio. This is Word Perfect. My name is Steve Court and we've been joined today by David Ratcliffe where we've talked about his book Through the Open Window. Uh, we've talked a little bit about his journey and his uh, his life experiences that have led to the production of that book. And um, what I'm interested in to know David just before we say our goodbyes for today is uh, obviously the book's out, the book is being promoted and being sold as we speak but um, the interesting thing about this show when we speak to writers is it's always after the book's done so in terms of writing you're, you're kind of finished with that book so what's next for you? Um, what's next for me is to get busy looking at my next collection and my next collection would be um, a little different from this because I've, I, I've not just written um, confessionally, I have actually written uh, lots of uh, other poetry um, that's come from lots of different um, influences and, uh, and, and circumstances. I've written um, about a more optimistic future. Um, I've written about the times that we're living. Um, this is more of my stuff that... Uh, um, when, when, when I put the Through an Open Window collection together, um, it was about that confessional journey and the stuff that happened. But at the same time as that was being written, I also wrote more optimistic stuff. So um, I want to put together a collection of work that has more of a, a, an uplifting, optimistic view, although I hope that Through an Open Window makes people look inwardly and think about... Um, I'm not the only one that's going through this insecurity, this, this, this stuff in my... Um, that is through an open window. That window is now shut. The stuff that I've got to come in the next collection um, is more diverse. It's more about um, my experiences now, what I, I see the world looking back, looking forward and inward and outward. It's all, it's, it's all there. I've written lots of poetry um, I'm in um, Worldly Worders and in Worldly Worders, uh, lovely Polly and Frank, uh, keep me on my, cho- um, on my toes. Um, we have prompts. We have, um, we have lots of 
inner missions that we um, that we get out there. So all that stuff that I've been writing recently in the last two years of lockdown and and and, and so on, um, all of that um, has been collected. So that will be more of a. Um, I don't know what the the collection is going to be. I'm just going to be um, uh, put together what it, what the title of that uh, will be. Um, something really close to um, the window is shut. So uh, it has a sort of a nod to that first book, but is now far more sort of positive reflection on on what yeah. can come post that experience. It may be an open door. It may be shut. It may be some kind of um, portal, but. Um, I'm happy that through an open window has had its um, its moment, and uh, and and hopefully uh, more people will journey with it. But what I've got to come is um, is a collection which is going to be um, a little different. Fantastic. Well, uh, we wish you all the best of luck with the, the sales for obviously through an open window. It's like I said, if you are wanting to get yourself a copy, you can go to inspired.com or you can go straight to your local Amazon site and you can uh, get yourself a copy of Through the Open Window by David Ratcliffe uh, from there. Um, it's been great to speak to you today, David. It does bring us sadly to the end of today's show. Um, so thank you very much for your time. I'm over the moon. I really appreciate um, the opportunity to come on, um, Steve, and uh, thank you for all your help. No, not a problem at all. And uh, hopefully when that second collection is out in the future, we can do this again and speak to you about uh, about that latest piece. So uh, that brings us to the end of this week's uh, Word Perfect. Tune in again next week when we'll be speaking to another one of the incredible writers from Inspired.com. So take care and enjoy your week. <laughs>